When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Welcome to the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Hit follow or subscribe on your favourite podcast platform now and you'll never miss a show. And leave us a review as well if you enjoy the podcast. Now, who is the best footballer in the world? Is it Erling Haaland? Is it still Messi? Or is it someone else altogether? Well, it won't be Cristiano Ronaldo, as for the first time in 20 years, he hasn't been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. He was the last Premier League player to win the Golden Ball in 2008. Could that change in 2023? And it's a dire situation at Tottenham as the central defender has been frozen out by Big Ange. Postacoglu not fancying the England man. Could a last-ditch switch to Saudi be in the offing for Eric? And if Dyer is keen to disappear, it's Lloris the Limpet at Spurs. The veteran keeper not going anywhere, according to reports. The same can't be said, though, for Villa's Felipe Coutinho. More on that shortly. This is FSD, I'm Niall, and they are Marley and Joel. How are you doing, fellas? Doing good, not bad. Happy the uh, window's coming to an end, because uh, I'm sick of, sick of this Saudi pillaging. <laughs> 11 days after the... British transfer window closes. Finally, we've got a little bit of peace when the Saudi window closes. But we still haven't had that record bid in for Salah yet. We spoke about that a couple of days ago, Joel. On the podcast, we were saying that Saudi were going to stump up 200 and something million to try and sign him. World record fee. It's all a little bit quiet at the moment. Yeah, I'd be so surprised if that happens now. But 
I, mean, I just hope it doesn't happen just because I don't want Liverpool to be having some 200, 300 million pound spree next summer. So hopefully he just stays on. And then like Marley said in the last episode, he just ends up flopping, gets about 10 goals a season. And then they let him run off to the team that Amir Zaki's playing for in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking of players flopping. I wouldn't say Cristiano Ronaldo flopped at Manchester United second time around, but he was forced out. And now for the first time since 2003, he hasn't been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. The nominees have been revealed and there are plenty of Premier League names on the list. From an England perspective, though, Harry Kane, Bukayo Saka and Jude Bellingham are the names that have been nominated. So before we talk about that group of seven City players, Marley, that have been nominated for the Golden Ball Award for this year, it's fair enough, I think, if you're talking about the three best English players over the last 12 months, Kane, Saka and Bellingham, you'd be hard pushed to exclude them from your list yeah I think um Jude Bellingham's rise is his insane really isn't it you know what is he 20 is he 20 yet I don't even know I think he's 20 years old something like that and uh you know making the the long list for the Ballon d'Or is is mental obviously we don't expect him to win it but if you're making it at, at that age and playing for Real Madrid and scoring I think he's got four goals already this season you know and taking the mick out of defenders like he has been you know, his his rise is is mental, is meteoric. Um, everyone laughed at the guys who decided to retire the number twenty two shirt, and uh, I think we've all got egg on our faces now because it was a bloody good decision. Well, five years ago, he made his debut for Birmingham City in a League Cup game uh, against Pompey. There we go. He's got and his Pompey fix in five minutes in. Not even. Yeah, he was only sixteen, I think, at the time. And you already heard stories about Bellingham and Pompey won 3-0 that day. Even though Birmingham got beaten pretty comfortably, he was clearly the best player they had on the day. So you could see from that age that he had so much potential. You know, you can see now already, Joel, that this is a serious talent. He's gone to Real Madrid and taken to it like he's been playing at that level his whole life. I just think with the way his personality is and the way he carries himself, it was almost obvious that he was the perfect choice to go to Real Madrid. Because I remember saying a few months ago, when we've seen the likes of Eden Hazard completely crumble when he goes to Real Madrid and many, many other top players, even like Kaká, for example, James Rodriguez. These are guys who were season pros and top players in their own leagues. I feel like with Real Madrid, because of the size of what it is and because of just what it represents as an institution. They've got no patience for players. I mean, they even had the white flags out for Ronaldo at some periods of his career there because they have no patience for players who start having a dip in form. I think for Bellingham, he just has the personality of a kind of Galactico-esque person who can go in there and absorb the culture, try and learn the language, really understand what Real Madrid's actually about. And I think it's just the perfect move for him. I'm happy that he chose Real Madrid instead of Liverpool because I feel like his his legacy is just going to be so much bigger in Real Madrid. He could be one of their best ever midfielders by the time, you know, we speak in 2033 um, when he's only not even going to be 30 yet, which is quite scary in itself. But I think just, just in terms of... Sorry, that is absolutely disgusting what you've just said. <laughs> Jude Bellingham is not even going to be 30 by the year 2033. I mean... How old, we've been... how old will you two be? I'm going to be 42 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's mental. That's, oh, You'll it's... still be on your Sunday That's league team sickening. trying to get a game. Oh. Be managing by that point. Yeah, player manager. 
I'm just waiting for the Vets League to come around to over 35. They've got three years to go. I'll be all right. Walking football. But yeah, I think Bellingham, he's just he's made for it, isn't he? He doesn't shrink under these big names, the big stadiums. He just seems like, a, you know, when you meet young younger people and they always feel a bit older than they actually are, especially when you see some of these young talents, like when Cristiano Ronaldo came to England at 18, 17, you could tell that he was destined to go bigger than he actually was because they just have a mentality which is ahead of their age. So I think for Real Madrid, it's just the perfect signing. Well, Jude Bellingham is one of the three English players nominated along with Bukayo Saka and Harry Kane. If any English player was going to win it, in the future, I think it would probably be Bellingham. But also, if one English player was going to win it now, it would probably be Harry Kane. I feel like Saka's best is still yet to come, albeit he's a very talented player and I think will go to the top. But if any English player is going to win it, Marley, is it going to be Harry Kane? I don't think he will, by the way. But if, if it was going to be an English player, would it be him? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, if they did a... Well, they do do a full, a full ranking, don't they? Um, so he'll probably be the highest ranking. Um, I think Saka's had just a good season, to be fair. I think Rashford's unlucky to, be, to not even be considered, to be to be honest, as well. But yeah, Kane's probably the standout. Um, be interesting to see what happens next year if uh, if Bayern win something. I mean, it's not it's not inconceivable that Bayern win the Champions League with Harry Kane up front. If Bayern go and win the, you know, the German the treble type of thing and he's part of it he could be very much in line for a Ballon d'Or next year yeah, if he does cause... what Haaland's done this season score 50 goals and win three trophies the three biggest then if if that's the criteria and Harry Kane manages to pull that off at whatever age because look at Lewandowski for example he's someone who at Bayern Munich scored loads of goals won them trophies and was very firmly nominated for the Ballon d'Or did he even win one no. Did he not? He should have so. won it in the in the COVID year that they cancelled mm-hmm. it twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, but there we go. You know, I mean, like like you were saying, Marley, it's if you if you can do that and win your team trophies, which is something Harry Kane hasn't been able to do, then you, you're in with a shout. Well, this time next year, Harry Kane could could be sat there with a Bundesliga, a Bundesliga top scorer. Uh, he could win the German Cup quite easily. He could get f- pretty far in the Champions League, if not maybe win it. I don't know. Obviously, that's a big ask, but it's not inconceivable, like I said before. And also, this time next year, he could be sat here as a European champion with England. There's not many players that can hold hold a candle to that. You, Erling Haaland's not winning anything with Norway. You know what I mean? It's it's one of them where he, it's not it's not inconceivable that that Kane could could get a Ballon d'Or. He would never get it at Spurs because you send the Ballon d'Or to weird. It's a weird mix. You've got to win things and play well and be the star in that team. And, you know, Haaland will win it this year because, should do anyway, because City won the treble and he scored all the goals. Um, it might be messy because of the World Cup. But next year, if Kane wins the Euros with England, you know, goes one step further than than uh, than 2020, it's, um, it's something that can be can be genuinely thought about, I think. Well, let's talk about Haaland then, because he's one of seven Manchester City players nominated for the Ballon d'Or. The others are Kevin De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, uh, Julian Alvarez, Bernardo Silva, Rodri and Joško Vardiol. So some pretty heavy hitting names on there. I still think, though, Joel, as good as De Bruyne and Diaz and even Bernardo Silva has been and Rodri as well for Manchester City over the last 12 months, it has to be Haaland, doesn't it? 
I think he, he deserves to win the whole trophy in its entirety, to be honest, as much as it hurts me to say. I just think the Ballon d'Or as a competition has just lost his legs completely now. I don't even think anyone should use it as a gauge to see who's the best player anymore. Because Marley touched on it just before when Lewandowski pretty much got the Ballon d'Or robbed off him in 2021. Even to the point where Lionel Messi said, I don't even know why I've won this award because he deserved it more than me. And then they created some consolation award called the Striker of the Year for the first year in its entire history. Just as a sweetener to say, you tried, but you're not having the actual trophy itself. I mean, come on. When you look Proper at the actual... ugly trophy as well. It's awful. Are you saying we're wasting Hiding our time talking about the Ballon d'Or? No, but, I, no, but I just want to say... The voting system, for anyone who doesn't know, is from 100 journalists around the world. And if you go and look at the votes which get published after they voted, I just want to give you an example. The Armenian journalist from 2021 voted for Donnarumma, Chiellini, Lewandowski and Phil Foden. I mean, come on. What are we doing here with the voting system? It's bizarre to me. It's a popularity and PR contest. Well, I think we should explain to people that the Ballon d'Or was originally created by the French Football Federation or one of the French sports magazines, I think, to recognise the best player. It used to be called the European Footballer of the Year Award. Then it got extended to the World Player of the Year Award when FIFA kind of brought the award under their umbrella. So it was called the FIFA Ballon d'Or. And now FIFA have their own Best Player of the Year Awards and the Ballon d'Or is split off again into something separate. But it's the Golden Ball Trophy, which is what Ballon d'Or translates to from French, that is the most iconic trophy in terms of an individual prize in the game. We talk about players having Ballon d'Ors or Messi has this many, Ronaldo has this many. That's what players are gauged on. So even though you're right, Joel, the voting system is a little bit twisted nowadays. People still look at that competition overall and see that as a marker as to who the best player in the world is at the time. Yeah, it is the biggest marker, of course. But I just think over the years, it's just lost com- complete credibility. I know that there's other times as well. For example, 2010 comes to mind when Wesley Schneider won pretty much everything by the World Cup. Iniesta won everything by a Champions League. And Messi won regardless. Even then, Messi was still the best player, so I have no disregard for that. But I saw Messi in February when he was playing for Paris Saint-Germain. And I've never seen a more disinterested player play for his team in my entire life. And that was for the, through the entirety of the season. And now this MLS fanfare has almost picked up his whole season. Let's not forget, Bradley Wright Phillips is the top scorer of all time in the MLS. That's the <laughs> level that he's playing at right now. So, yeah, it's easy to kind of distort the reality, which is he's playing in a really, really poor league. That's the bottom line. It's funny about Messi because he is nominated for the Ballon d'Or and Ronaldo isn't. Messi, I watched him play for Barcelona against Atletico Madrid at the Nou Camp and Atletico gave it a real good go. They were scrappy, they were horrible. I think Fernando Torres had just gone back to Atletico at that point, so there were a few familiar faces playing for that team that I recognised. And this is going to sound so disrespectful to possibly the greatest player to ever play football professionally, but Messi kind of wandered around, walked around, strolled around, didn't really look like he was offering a great deal, which is a mad thing to say about Messi. But then they had a free kick from 25 yards. And he said, I've got this, lads. And he just stepped up and just swept you know into the, the top do, corner like you know he been doing it his whole life. Do you know the and they funny won thing one that happened in the game I went to? He did the exact same thing. <laughs> in the last minute, really? he scored a winner. He, was against yeah, he scored against Lille. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, that was my opinion yeah. in the trash. 
Well, Messi scored a free kick, <laughs> smashed it in the top corner. I mean, that's what the best players do, don't they? They take moments and they produce. But for the first time, like I said, Marley, since 2003, so 20 years, there is no Cristiano Ronaldo amongst the nominees. And as much as I love Ronaldo and what he's achieved on the pitch in his career, you have to say fair enough, don't you? He's probably not done enough to be classed as one of the best players in the world anymore, which is sad, but it's a reality of the fact that he's getting close to 40. Yeah, it's a strange um, strange year for him, really. I think, was it January he was at Man United? Uh, was it Was it January? This year, was it? I can't remember. Everything seemed to um, have melted into one, but... You know, he's obviously took the the challenge on of going to... I think it was October, actually, just before the World Cup. Right, so he's had a year of Saudi uh, football. And you can't really complain with with that. You can't conceivably put um, a guy who's playing his football in the Middle East in with, you know, players that have been winning the Euros and the World Cup and you know, the Champions League and things like that, because it, it just doesn't make sense. It'd be interesting to see what type of awards process the Saudi League has in a year's time where they uh, they crown the best player because obviously they've put massive investment into into it. Loads of players, Benzema, Kante, Mares, Ronaldo, etc. So uh, time, for, time to see what they do. But for Ronaldo, 20 years is staggering. 20 years of being nominated for, for the Ballon d'Or, like... It's it's unreal. Like it's it's longevity just on steroids. It's mad. Like twenty years from eighteen to thirty-eight or whatever he is now, you know, it's just crazy. Like a kid could be born when he was eighteen and have had his whole career done and dusted by the time you know, sorry sorry, be a professional now. He could have grown into he could now be a professional when when Ronaldo's still getting nominated for for awards like this, like Jude Bellingham, for example, was was Jude Bellingham born the year Ronaldo was first nominated? I think I think he was. It's crazy. My first match watching Pompey was against Man United. Ronaldo scored his first goal for Man United that day. I was nine years old, and the geese is still playing football. It's just mental. Yeah, Joel, we just found out how old Niall was. <laughs> we couldn't work it out last week. <laughs> I think um, I think the football world, as in football players, will actually be so happy that this is Messi's last realistic go at a Ballon d'Or because for the last 15, 20 years, it's just been who's going to win it? Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Messi. Well, Ronaldo's actually come out this week and said that the rivalry is dead. It's over. It doesn't exist anymore. That period is gone. The chapter is closed. The book is shut. And it's a different era. I mean, they've earned this kind of rest period now, to be honest. They've been going hell to leather 15 years straight against each other for a top level. I mean, we're looking at the likes of Haaland and other players who've had these breakout seasons and then they slump. There was no slump. I don't think any of them even had a peak. The whole career was just a peak. So now every other player next year is just on a level playing field, which is probably why I'm so annoyed that, for example, Neymar's ended up going out of Europe now when this was probably his only realistic chance to ever get close to it. But yeah, I mean, the likes of Kane, Mbappe, Haaland next year, they'll definitely be the ones to watch because finally Messi's uh, not going to... Well, I mean, to be fair, some of these journalists will probably still vote for Messi after scoring 100 goals in the MLS. I wouldn't put it past him. 
Well, here are some of the other nominees from Premier League clubs. Martin Erdegaard, Mo Salah, Emi Martinez, the goalkeeper for Aston Villa, and Andre Onana, who's just joined Manchester United. And interestingly enough, those two, Martinez and Onana, are also nominated for the Yashin Trophy, which is the best goalkeeper. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale is also on that list as well. I know Marley's got something to say about Onana. Any comments, Marley? What's he in for? What's he in for? I don't understand. What do you mean, what's he in for? He made it to the Champions League final and got eight clean sheets in the Champions League. Incredible, that. What, he's in, what, he's in he, it for that compilation. That is incredible. <laughs> he's in it for that compilation that uh, that went round after the Champions League final when he, his passing was quite good. It's like, ooh, goalkeeper can pass. Wow. Oh God. Well, Amazing. Nick Pope can't pass, we know that. <laughs> exactly, that's why he's not in it. Martinez, Martinez should win it for winning Argentina the World Cup for that disgusting save he made. He had no right to make it. Sometimes it's really dubious just having Even a 10-game tournament crap. as a gauge of who wins it. But it is the biggest yeah. competition in the world, but I guess. How many games are in the Champions League if Inanna's getting... getting yeah, but it, I guess six, it's a tournament that goes on through the season as well. He also counts. was class for Inter during the season. Um but I guess Edison, I don't think you can really look past him, to be honest. I mean, let's all make a prediction. I'm going to say Erling Haaland will I win think the it, I think I think it could still be messy. Nah, it'll be messy. He's just got too much player power think, to yeah. not win this. Well, no, hang on. Let, let me let me refine that. If it's not Haaland, but it's Messi, you can understand why. I just don't see how it can't be Erling Haaland. It just, it's got to be him. They're going to they're gonna look at it, though, and going to say Messi won World the, Cup. the French League title. Then he won the World Cup and he scored loads of goals and yeah. you know now he's making the impact in America and stuff. It's, it'll be his eighth. I think Ballon it's. I think it's one last political one. And it will. It, that's going to be the case. It's happened before, though. If Josie Altidore can score thirty goals a season in that league, you, you need to have a look at yourself. But it is getting better, to be fair. And I, I, I respect Messi for going there. I like watching him play because it, it makes him look insane as well. But you know, does he deserve the Ballon d'Or? I, I don't think so. PSG nearly bottled that league. They only won it by a point in the end. Yeah, exactly. The MLS is almost like a little cherry on top. Every, like I said, everyone's forgetting just Bradley Wright Phillips is the legend there. Do you know what I mean? Watch out, Bradley Wright Phillips. <laughs> Messi's coming for your record. <laughs> Ballon d'Or nominations are out. Let us know who you think deserves to win the trophy for this season. Get in touch with us on social media at FSD Pod on Twitter and you can also join our Telegram group. So make sure you do that. All of the details for our socials and the Telegram group are in the description of the podcast. Next up though on Football Social Daily, we're going to talk about the fact that the Saudi transfer window closes today and not just Mo Salah is being tipped for a potential escape route from the Premier League to the Middle East. We'll talk about it next. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily and the Saudi Arabia transfer window closes today. Thursday, the 7th of September, there will be no more Saudi transfer activity after today. And although we spoke a couple of podcasts ago about a potential world record bid for Mo Salah, there are also some other players who could be on their way to the Middle East. One of them is Felipe Coutinho. The Aston Villa midfielder has been linked with a move away, but not to Saudi Arabia, in fact. It's to Qatar and Qatari side Al Duhail. And this will be on a loan deal with... All of the wages covered, so Villa don't have anything to worry about, Joel. That's according to Fabrizio Romano, and he's normally pretty accurate, isn't he, with his transfer news. Uh, at the time, a couple of years ago, Coutinho, he was considered a major coup for Aston Villa, who had Steven Gerrard in charge at that point, who had played with Felipe Coutinho at Liverpool in the past. But I think it's fair to say his stay at Villa so far has been pretty underwhelming, don't you think? Yeah, he made his impact by scoring two on his debut against Manchester United and then heard nothing since from him. Um, I think Philip Coutinho is probably one of, I'd say the worst signing in football history for Barcelona, only because not only was the fee ridiculous in itself, I think it was 110 million rising to around 130 million, but it was for the simple fact that he went on loan to Bayern Munich who then beat Barcelona 8-2 and he scored two against Barcelona in the Champions League. I mean, is there more of an own goal than that? And he didn't really produce that much for Barcelona anyway. So when you look at it from that context, honestly, I think it was just a nightmare scenario for Barcelona. But when you look at Aston Villa at the time, I think everyone thought, my God, this is serious ambition, getting someone of that calibre, forgetting that he started to regress after he had his little buy-in trip. And then he came to Aston Villa, had a good six months when he first came in. And then ever since then, you didn't really hear too much from him. His, his peak was absolutely that last season at Liverpool, but I think that's purely because of the system he was playing in and the way in which Klopp had him. When he went to Barcelona, he was suddenly a small fish in a massive, massive pond. And then Bayern, again, similar scenario. And then at Villa, I feel like he just was over the hill at that point. Is he one of the players, Marley, who's maybe become a victim of his own transfer fee? I feel like Paul Pogba had a similar situation at Manchester United where he was signed for, was it £89 million? So everyone was expecting that little bit more from him, that little bit extra in a period which was difficult for Manchester United to achieve any success. I feel like because of what Liverpool received for him from Barcelona, as Joel's just outlined, that maybe that's hindered him because people are expecting more than what he's actually capable of. And that isn't his fault in all fairness is it the fact that he was sold for that much money yeah he's i mean he's he got to the top of the game at liverpool he was the he was the man barcelona wanted to replace neymar when um when psg came in and paid all that money um but you know he's gone from that to getting benched by john mcginn 
And I mean, if that doesn't tell you... Hey, John, put some respect on John McGinn's name, he's good. Abs- absolutely not, no. <laughs> because compared to Coutinho, he, sh- he shouldn't even be cleaning his boots in terms of the talent and stuff. It's yeah, madness. Yeah. yeah, I mean, with all due respect to Villa, the fact that they managed to sign Coutinho, and I know they've got a lot of money, Aston Villa, people always say that they've kind of got a few more quid than people realise. And they did have Gerard, who played with Coutinho at Liverpool in the past as their manager. So there was obviously a pulling power there. But do you think, with all due respect to Villa, the fact that they managed to sign someone like Coutinho maybe was an indication of the quality of the player anyway? Yeah, because I I often say about players that come from top clubs and that have been at top clubs, when when smaller clubs, and I'm talking about Villa being smaller than Barcelona and Liverpool, so there's no argument there. Um, when you sign a player like that, it doesn't... It, more often than not, it doesn't work. Look at like James Rodriguez when he went to Everton. You're not getting James Rodriguez who scored the chest and volley that won the won the Puskas Award in the 2016 World Cup or 2014 World, whatever it was. Even Real Madrid didn't get that player. <laughs> exactly. So you know you then signed him years later, and Coutinho when he went to Villa, you know Villa fans were like, oh my god, we're signing Coutinho. We're going to be this is where we're going. This is this is the level of where we're at. And two years later. You know, you can't get a kick. McGinn's in the team ahead of him. Leon Bailey's there. Um, there's players being signed left, right and centre. Moussa Diaby and all the rest of them that have came through um, and have simply worked harder than Coutinho. I, th- I think this is the problem with him. He's, he got to the level where he got to Barcelona. And in my my opinion, I just think he stopped. He stopped working. He stopped trying to improve. That's why Ronaldo's been at the top of the game. We talked about it just before the break for 20 years because he's an absolute monster of of just hard work and he had the talent and the hard work and that's why he stayed at the top for so long. Coutinho had the talent and didn't have the 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 work rate I don't think to match it. And then he ends up, you know, going to Bayern. Um, you know, doing doing okay at Bayern, but it's been it's been downhill ever since. Barcelona didn't help with their financial turmoil. They're always going to take a take a big hit on him and then in the end He's ended up at Aston Villa and then going on loan to to Qatar. I've got ending his career in Qatar type of thing. So they're probably thinking, great, we're getting Coutinho, but you know they're not getting the Liverpool one who used to cut in off the left and bend an absolute worldie into the far corner every weekend. They're getting the Coutinho that you know is is going for the paycheck and probably still will be ten times better than anyone else in that league or most of the others. But still, it's not. It's not uh, the the thing you expect, really. Well, Felipe Coutinho is expected to be on his way to Qatar and not Saudi Arabia. But could Saudi Arabia be the potential destination for Eric Dyer? The Tottenham defender has held talks with chairman Daniel Levy after being frozen out by Ange Postacoglu. Big Ange isn't really keen on Dyer, and there are suggestions that he could end up with this late last minute switch to the Middle East. They're just rumours at the moment. Do you think similarly to Coutinho, Joel, that Eric Dyer's best years might be behind him? Or do you think he can still do a job in the Premier League, just maybe not for Tottenham? Yeah, I think he had his peak just after Pochettino, just when Jose Mourinho arrived, I would say. Maybe during the Pochettino era, actually. I don't think he ever managed to maintain that kind of consistency he was showing. Um, I'm just trying to imagine Eric Dyer in the Saudi League, to be honest. It just makes me laugh just at the thought of it in itself. Um, But... Yeah, Eric Dyer, I mean, the clues in the name. He has been quite dire for a good number of years now, I would say. 
And I have an issue with these players who, like, for example, Donny van der Beek, like Loris, who we'll talk about soon, and obviously like Dyer, where they know they're not wanted at their club and yet they hang on. For what reason? Is it entitlement that they don't think, that they think they're, they're too good for the teams that are offering them contracts or is it the fact that they just want they're just happy to sit in the sidelines and continue earning their salary? I'm trying to understand what I it is. I think that's unfair to Eric Dyer, don't you? What? To say that he's a hanger on. Bit harsh. The club's just changed manager. It's not it's not like he's Hugo Lloris, who we will talk about, who's thirty six, and people were saying that Hugo Lloris was going to leave Tottenham before Ange Postacoglu was even unveiled as the Tottenham manager. Like that's been in the works for ages and he's still there like I say we'll come on to that in a sec but from a dire perspective he would have felt like he could have worked his way into Postacoglu's team but obviously that hasn't been the case for whatever reason yeah but it can't happen because Tottenham's team's too big anyway he said that during the end of the transfer window they had 28 players they got rid of um, Ndombele and Davinson Sanchez which reduced it now they need to reduce it again otherwise they're not going to play regardless they've got a 25 man squad that they need to submit for the competitions um, I know Lloris is okay to rephrase I think Lloris because he's known that his time's been up there for quite a long time I don't understand why he's still there yeah, that's Eric- hanging on I think Dyer's different because he would feel like he could be one of that 25 man squad I think he would have felt confident in his ability to impress Ange Postacoglu potentially but the vibe that I get from Postacoglu is that when you know that you're not wanted in his plans, he's pretty happy to just allow you to be an outcast and he doesn't really want you to be around the squad. He's probably told him, go and find a new club or you're not really going to be playing at all this season. Potentially could play Carabao Cup games, whatever. But if you're not, if they have a criteria of a squad list that they need to match and you're not fitting that 25, you can't get in. That's just the rules, isn't it? How do you think Ange Postacoglu goes about telling players that they're not in his plans? <laughs> it's like, uh Right, mate. So he definitely uses the word you know, mate because when he uses the word mate, whoever's on the receiving end is in trouble because he's not happy when he says mate. Hundred percent. As soon as he walks in, he's like, yeah, "Take a seat, yeah. mate," and then that's yeah. it. Listen, mate. You f- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting. What dad don't get yourself out of here. Tiger's been one of them. When he's good, he's really good. Like, but when he's bad, he's he's not worth having. But and it's I, I don't feel like he's ever had a peak and then tailed off he's sort of like one week he's sick and one week he's just awful and then you know it's like he can pass on some days he, he can find a pass sort of talk about defenders passing it into midfield and not being scared to to go forward rather than go sideways he is one of them on his day but those days don't come around often enough and I think Ange Postacoglu who's obviously came in and said right right Mourinho's tested him and he's been up and down. Conte has done the same. So's um, Nuno. Uh, so's Pochettino years back. And he's probably thinking, none of them have got any consistency out of him. So why, why should I, when I've got the the Kane money coming in and I've got, you know, um, a deal on the table for Mickey Van der Ven, who's going to be, you know, alongside Romero as the number one centre back type of thing. So I think he's handled the situation quite well. Um, I just don't know where Dyer goes because obviously the the windows shut everywhere except Saudi. I can't see him rocking up in Saudi, but where else is there? You know, Joel mentioned he could play a Carabao Cup game. They're out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) And also, we spoke about Gareth Southgate earlier this week and some of his comments. Obviously, Tyra Mings is injured. 
Harry Maguire is in the squad despite the fact he hasn't been playing for Manchester United. So it's not necessary that he actually has to play for Tottenham to get picked for England. But there is a Euro squad at the end of the season. So he's going to want to be in some sort of form. Well, going off Jordan Henderson being in Saudi, he's got every chance, probably more chance of being in the England squad. So if you want to use him as a model, then get yourself to uh, Riyadh and start yeah. playing. Using Jordan Henderson as a model is not something that many people will be doing after the last Not a role days. model anyway. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen Gerrard will be on the phone to him, or should be. He's creating his little uh, English pocket of... Of players out there, and he signed um, Damari Gray yesterday as well. Um, you know Henderson's out there. You know there's a few, um, but yeah, it's slim pickings now. I'd ideally for him, I'd, I'd go back to sport in Lisbon where he came through the um, the youth academy when he because he lived in Portugal when he was a kid. So, but that that time's gone. He's uh, their their windows shut. Their Champions League squad or Europa League squads announced and. And that's it. Do you know what the strange situation is? Is that we mentioned Hugo Lloris, who's still there. Saudi would be a good move for him. He's experienced. I don't think they've signed many goalkeepers, have they, that are renowned on the European stage. He's clearly not in Postacoglu's plans and probably wasn't going to be in the next manager's plans anyway, as we've already discussed, like towards the end of last season, when even Stellini was the manager, everyone was saying, you know, it's, time up for Hugo Lloris anyway he's going to leave at the end of the season he's still there he's still under contract but it looks like at this point he's not going to be able to play football for anyone until January because he hasn't moved on and the club have received offers for him he's just not really shown a desire in leaving Spurs that's according to the latest reports honestly Hugo Lloris is such a strange one because he's been offered some decent places he's been offered to go back to Nice which is where he's from nice place by the way still rejects that and he's had months and months and months he's known that Vicario is the number one and he knows that Apostacoglu is not going to use him even as a number two so yeah I mean when he's he's, he's done everything he's won the World Cup he's had some really good seasons where he's at some points been one of the best keepers in Europe granted he's um his domestic career hasn't been incredible in terms of trophies, but I mean, he's won the World Cup. He's, he's pretty much completed what he's came in to achieve. So just bow out and just go to somewhere like Saudi and just enjoy your money because I don't understand why you would just hang on at Tottenham now. He's not going to play a game. He's 36, 37. His career is going to be over in the next th- three or four years. If he goes to Saudi, probably elongates his career. could probably play for another three, four, five so years. So why is he staying at Spurs then? Is it just because he can take the money or he doesn't have an interest. He likes living in London. He's been there since 2012. I think sometimes there's a little bit of entitlement from players of his stature. I think sometimes when these smaller clubs come in for him, like Nice, for example, he almost feels a little bit too good. And he, because he's been used to playing at such a high level and also a high salary, let's not forget at Spurs, he's probably one of the highest earners. To then have it to drop down to Nice or someone like Galatasaray, for example, it probably feels a little bit offended by it. Yeah, but you say that he's, he's he's used to playing at such a high level, but he's been, yeah, he's he's at the high level of Champions League and and Premier League even, but is he's being dropped because he's not playing at that level. He's not he's not that good. I think he needs to needs to think about it. Like nice, for example, they've just binned off Kasper Schmeichel because he was an absolute car crash since he went there, um, and you know he's he's rejected that. Why? Bloody look. You offer me any money to go and live in the south of France on the French Riviera 
I'm snapping your hand off. Doesn't matter whether I'm 36 or 16, I don't care. Um, well, the only two windows that are open still are Saudi Arabia, which closes today, and he has had offers according to newspapers, from Saudi Arabian clubs, but has just shown no inclination to go to the Middle East. Fair enough. If we're talking about Jordan Henderson and criticising him on this podcast, we should say, if someone doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, you don't have to go. But the only other place where he could potentially go, because their window closes on the 15th, which is another seven days from now, is Turkey. So his only option, if he doesn't move to Saudi Arabia between now and January is to move to Turkey before this time next week. He's got Fenerbahce or Besiktas written all over him, hasn't he? <laughs> it's the Premier League graveyard, isn't it? Let's be honest. The yeah, scrap that, heap. It's a good move, that. Go and play. If you know, if, I'd, yeah, it's, it's strange how he's, how he's hanging on, but money in it. Money for catching a few balls in training four days a week. It's, maybe it's hard to turn down. Well, whatever happens over the next 24 hours, if it involves the Premier League, there's a good chance we'll be talking about it on this podcast. This is the award-winning Premier League show, Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe, and that way you won't miss an episode again. But that's it from Marley, Joel and myself. We'll catch you next time. See you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social.